Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Then Ryan plays the script, standing in a hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to Rise House on Ringer FC. Hope you are all safe and well. Today we're going to talk about the Premier League Hall of Fame. And then Ryan Hunt will join me to talk about Chelsea versus Arsenal and the other Wednesday night games. But first, my guests are Musa Kwonga and Flo Lloyd Hughes. How's everything going? Very well, very well Good. indeed. Good. It appears we have a Hall of Famer in the oh house. Gosh, Moose. Ha ha ha. It's um Mr. Ian Wright. It's really weird because I was looking at um, seeing Patrick and what Patrick went on to do, and he's in it first. Mm. In, in, um, he's in it, one of the first guys to go in, him and, and, and Thierry from Arsenal. I'm not, I'm not even joking, guys. This is way above what I'm thinking if I'm going to ever, if I'm going to get involved in this. It's blown my mind. I saw a picture of Patrick holding his thing. Wow. And I was so proud of him because of what he went on to achieve, what he's done. And then you look at the names of the, the first inductees and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. It must feel great. To go in second, in the, the second year of the, the voting, Roscoe told me, and I, I, I just, I couldn't stop myself. I burst, into I burst into tears. And then you look at who's in there. I think it's Aguero, Rooney, Company, Drogba, Schmeichel, Scholes. You know, it's very difficult to put yourself in um, a place where these guys, right, are how I speak about them as they're up there, man. They're up there, mm. right? And you're in, you're in there alongside them. It's very, very difficult to comprehend. Now, people say, well, you, 
people say whatever they want about, yeah, well, maybe he should have went in before you and this one should have went in before you. But the fact that the public have deemed for me to be voted in now, I cannot, I can't actually, comp- I can't thank them enough. Everything that I've done and went, the way I played was about playing for the fans and to be recognised mm. by so many different fan bases for me to go in at this time, it's very humbling. It's very humbling. I, honestly, I don't know how I'm going to be because I'm very emotional as it is. And like I said, when Roscoe told me I was in, I couldn't believe it. I literally couldn't believe it. I'm really happy they've got this Hall of Fame as a concept for sport now. Obviously, the Premier League is relatively new, but it still you know, has that incredible cachet. And I, I'm glad they have it because when I see players like Bobby Tambling, you know, had the goal record for yes. Chelsea and Lampard overtook yeah. it. I sometimes are afraid that these players, you know, especially when it's really sad for me when a goal target gets overtaken and the person whose title gets taken is quite old yeah. because you're thinking that person's name might be lost to history yeah. now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, you see the kind of the old person is like, I'm happy that someone's yeah. like broken the record, but part of you is thinking, yeah, That's but don't me you done. deserve to like be on a play. Yeah, almost. Yeah, they do. The Hall of Fame is really powerful because it allows people to kind of, um, to have their place in history. And that matters, you know, and it sounds like a small thing, but like some people don't get the luck to play in title winning teams, but they're still great. Mm. Like Santi Cazorla. Santi Cazorla yeah. will probably never win a Champions League, right? And, but he'll never like be the main player in a title winning team. But if you say to anybody, if you say to anybody of any football team that Santi Cazorla does not reserve a place in the top footballs generation, you'll have pitchforks at your door mm-hmm. from multiple football yeah. teams. Because I think like, that's what's, what that's what's quite nice about yeah. the Premier League one is it takes appearances is quite a big factor into it. You have to have a certain number of appearances. Mm. So actually, even if you didn't win that many trophies, you can mm. qualify to be a part of, which I think is really important because there are people who are servants to the game mm. who literally broke their bodies and put their bodies on the line for this game. And unless they won a trophy, I mean, Harry Kane could end up like that, yeah. right? Unless they have a trophy, some people just delete them from the history books. But it's so important, like you said, Musa, to remember these players because they are part of the game's history. And, you know, the the Premier League was built on mm. names like that, were built on players like that. And it's the same way with sticker books or trading cards. If you don't have sticker books or trading cards, you don't have a physical, tangible reference point for the history of the game. And that's why I love, mm. you know, looking through, I used to have the Panini Premier League sticker books and I used to play Football Manager 98 and then I'd be able to see where someone was playing yeah. at what certain time yeah. through having the Panini sticker books and I'd look through their careers. If you don't have that physical sticker to say this is the player he played for this club, you would forget that person. You would forget that person exists and that, that's like you say, Musa, why I think Hall of Fames are, even though they're quite an American idea, I think we're quite versed to it in the UK. We find it a bit strange because we're quite a s- stupidly sort of humble yeah culture we don't really like you know big expressions of of celebration and reward i think the hall of fame is so powerful because it's by footballers for footballers and by fans for footballers as well so it's a really lovely combination yeah and i also think because the because the premier league is quite young the the, the 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 Hall of Fame happening now means it's super nostalgic because it's all the players that people in their kind yeah. of mid 20s to late 30s loved it's those really super nostalgic players and that's why it's happening at the perfect time yeah but this is why yes. the, the age group of the players that are, the age group of the players now and you mentioned like 25ish um that kind of age so for me to be in there when i retired like t- what, 20 odd years yeah. ago you know what i mean it really it it, it kind of like brings it home even more i remember when um 
when Roscoe told me, you kind of like, you sit in a kind of a daze because you're amongst one of the greatest leagues in the world. You have to say the greatest league in the world and you're in there as one of their elite people. And it just brought me straight back to my first day at Palace. Started thinking about, mm. started thinking about Steve Koppel and started thinking about Alan Smith. Started thinking about Stan Turnant and things what Steve Koppel, I remember when Steve Koppel said, because after my first couple of days training, I said to him, I, I, I want to I play for England. That's what I want to do. I want to play for England. And he said it was a bold statement, but like what I realized at the time was, is that I need to be, I need to be working as hard as I can to, to go as far as I can, because I always thought I was running out of time. I was 22 when I got to, mm. the next birthday was 23 when I got to Palace. So you've, to, to, to be in the Hall of Fame now, the Premier League Hall of Fame, after being retired for 20 odd years and being recognized, it kind of makes you start to think about like I thought a lot about Crystal Palace and I know a lot of them are of that age group and that age where um, they, they, they hear me talking a lot about Arsenal and my, why I love Arsenal so much through the David Rowcastle. They kind of separate the fact that it was, it was the, the reason why I supported Arsenal because of Dave, David Rowcastle. They just think that it's because I went there and we won stuff and it went well that all of a sudden I changed my allegiances. My Palace love can never, ever fade. Never fade. I speak to Steve Parrish on a weekly basis and I guarantee you Steve Parrish will be one of the first people who will, who will call me over this and say how proud he is and how pleased he is. You know what's really interesting is he doesn't do a lot of interviews. I don't think I could actually really tell you what his voice sounds like, but everyone speaks so, so, so well of him. Such an like everyone man. I talk to him about him says he's such an incredible guy. And that's kind of amazing because so many chairmen, so many owners, so many CEOs of football clubs, they want to be front and centre. Mm. They want their, they want all the attention. They want all the, all the plaudits, yeah. you know, getting to an FA Cup semi-final. A lot of other chairmen would have been there wanting to be front and centre. Yeah. And he just kind of fades into the background, does things quietly, does things well, and seems like a really good guy. He's a very, very good guy. And, and the club, Crystal Palace, is the only thing that drives him, the success of that club and what he wants to do there. This is why, like I say, Arsenal, Arsenal is where it happened for me in respect of getting to a level and getting to a place where I realised to be amongst the best, be amongst the elite. What, like I said, when I went, when I first went to England with Palace, realising like you go from this level from Championship to First Division is another level, and from from First Division to elite strikers and being amongst the elite players in England, you have to go somewhere else, and that entails pure hard work. I think I've said it on here, you know, when I, first, when I went mm. to England at Palace, I realised that in training, I couldn't take that touch. I, I, it almost like happened where I thought, I'm going to get tackled. I would have got tackled. If I, as soon as I came back from England, guys, I was able to say, if I'd done that, I'd get tackled at England. I've got to be quicker wow. than that. The touch has to be sharper. It has to, everything has to be quicker. This is what I learned at Palace. This is what Steve Koppel, Steve Koppel used to say it to me all the time. You have to be sharper. You have to be sharper. You're missing the target. You're falling over too much when you're shooting. The, 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 the coaching and the schooling I got at Crystal Palace is, is, is what gave me the platform to go on and do what I'd done. Because Steve Koppel said to me, whatever you do in your football career, never change the way you see the game in the last third of the pitch. Do what you want. He said that to me literally the first, first month or so I was at Palace. And I think that for me to be in, in this Hall of Fame 
in the, the second year inductee, he has to take he has to take all the credit for that because it was my it was my th- those first months trying to be a professional footballer. Steve Koppel literally mm. gave me that kind of stuff, that kind of knowledge and wisdom. You know when people speak to you when you're young and you they say something and you remember it for the rest of your life. He was the yes. person. He was the person that that said things to me that stayed with me like that. And and I I never changed that, Moose. And I think that it's off the back of him saying that me scoring the goals I scored with the with the energy and the drive that I had, the hard work, because it's a lot of hard work, a lot of doubting. You doubt yourself a lot, I doubt myself a lot. Um, but then the hard work kind of over overcomes that because the hard work gets you into the positions, gets you into positions to score. Then you score, then you express yourself. But without Steve Koppel and that line, I may have not taken some of the shots I took. I may have not done some of the things I'd done, what put me into people's consciousness. He has to take, Steve Koppel has to take the credit. He has to take a lot of credit. Of course, George Graham, Arsene Wenger, my teammates at Arsenal and that. But if I'm going to say that I've got this, this Hall of Fame recognition, it has to be, it has to be laid squarely at Steve Koppel's door. Has to be. It's really interesting as well, looking at the, the, um, the, what should we call them? The class of 2022, the Wayne Rooney's and the Patrick Vieira inductees. Because mm. they're obviously in management now, mm. Ian. Is that something that you did? You ever consider that? Because we've all this come full circle with these guys now coming yeah. towards and Lampard and Gerald or managing in the Premier League. Is that something you ever considered, or you thought, no, it's definitely not for me? The management, yeah, no, no flow. I, 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 I never considered it. I tried it a year, like I've mentioned with MK Dons, but I realised it's not for me. I've, I'm too emotional, too emotional on the side. You know, there's certain things that you. you you want to say to them, but you can't tell them that because that's not what you have to say. That's not what they are able to hear in this moment because you might lose them. I didn't know how to, to differentiate between telling them stuff that they needed to hear whether, rather than stuff that they they wanted to hear. And I, I got that wrong a couple of times, especially at MK Dons to the point where they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? Because I'm not able to do that masking where I won't tell him today. I fucking tell him on Monday. You know what I mean? And then mm. would I be able to deal with the press side of it? Would I be able to deal with not winning a few games and the pressure that comes with that? Being the emotional kind of person I am, I am not cut out for management. And I know that I would not be a good manager because I won't be able to, to act in times where my emotions just take over. I'm an emotional guy. I'm an instinctive guy. That's not a good... Um, recipe for management and I don't know if I you know when you hear people say wow I didn't never thought he would have been a manager George Graham people said mm. that about him but like I know I wouldn't have been able to do it because along the line of trying to be a management and growing as a manager I'd make too many mistakes where the emotion or my temper or something would take over Man, Kenny Shields was completely wrong. Men are really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. This is why I put the tweet out instantly. There she is. There she is. There she is. The biggest flow, Moose. <laughs> this is why the tweet had to go instantly because anybody, yes. that, even in training, even in training, your, your, my emotions. I'm close to the edge. I'm I'm on the edge because, like I said to Roscoe, I always felt with my football career, I'm running out of time. I can't fuck around here. You know what I mean? That's why I was 100% in training. I was 100% in everything I was doing. It was all very on the cusp of like fucking 
failure or success. You know what I mean? So my my drive was of I can't fucking stop. The grind don't stop. That's what you're all of fame, baby. That's what you're all of fame, baby. The grind don't stop. The grind don't stop. Listen, that's the one. That's why I could I couldn't have done it, Flo. To answer your question, I know I'm not cut out for management. You know what? It's extreme. I feel like I could be. Do, do you remember? Do you remember Scott Parker? Yes. When Fulham got promoted yeah. in the playoffs, right? And that interview he did with Sky, and honestly, it put me off. Like ever dating anyone who worked in football management, or even getting becoming friends with someone who was a football manager, because he was basically saying this has been the most draining, oh stressful year of my life. My family, like I live and breathe every moment of this and you could feel you could see yeah. in his tissue in his body in the the oxygen in the blood pumping through his body he he had felt every moment and minute of that season and i just don't know how much people do that Can't that do must it. be so stressful this episode is brought to you by jiffy lube cars can be a big investment so it's important to take care of them i once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Two things. First of all, that's very self-aware of you, Ian. And it actually suggests to me a lot of people should not be football managers who currently are. Mm, um, totally. Just looking at the cycle. And the other thing is as well, it makes me love Carlo Ancelotti even more because this does, Carlo Ancelotti does not give me, <laughs> I love him. I think he's an amazing manager. Mm. And also I can never imagine him giving an interview saying at the end of a season, oh my goodness, this was emotionally fraught. Every day if this was miserable for yeah. me and my family, I, put, I could just can't imagine, I, I can't imagine Carlo Ancelotti taking too much of this stress no. home. No, no, I no. genuinely can't. Yeah, but you, you, have raise, have a, you have to have a... Raise the eyebrow, yeah. smile at the dog, and that's it. It's, it's, you have to have a, a special kind of personality to be able to do that. And I think you're, you, you, you naturally have that in you. Mm. You learn to do that because you want to do that. I don't think in, in that arena, I'm that leader, the management, like even in the, dress, mm. in the dressing room. I'll follow Tony Adams and Roy Keane, and I will be their, their right man, up their right-hand man, where I'm going into battle hard, dying for these men. But I know that, if we're talking about leaders and we're talking about both two guys I've named there that in management, it's not kind of worked out for them. But I thought that the, the emotional side of football is something that people will not have a, a lot of love for, a lot of like, oh, that's really nice. Like, he's, like people would say, when you're talking about like um, Scott Parker there, Flo, you say, what's wrong with him, man? Get on with it. No, it's emotional. Football is emotional. This is why the best place mm. for me is in the pundit booth. It's in the studio because I can let my emotion out. You know what I mean? I can let my emotion out and I could, I could feel it and I can be, I can be it. But like, like I say, when I was in the grind, when I was in the mm. grind and it's, and, and you know, <laughs> try, I, I never ever thought that I was, I was going to be 
at this place, where we are now, in like a Hall of Fame. So I'm sorry my mum's not here now to see something like that. But I'm really pleased that there's people that are still around that when they see my name in there again, because there's a lot of people that don't even know that I am, I, I played football at a certain level. There's a lot of people who know me for different things. So, to, mm. so, so for them to know that my core, what is at my core is football, which I love more than, more than anything. You know what I mean? And, you know, people say, well, what about your wife? What about your kids? No, it's a different love. Football's my first love. It is my first love. It's from the age of eight. I completely agree. I've, I've, I've been very clear with everyone I've ever dated that even if we have children, nothing, no, no love or moment will ever compare to Bobby Zamora scoring in the playoff final at Wembley for QPR. You will never be able to, you will never be able to recreate that, that feeling. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I just have to be honest no, but with you. I that say, will never change. I said to the, like, when I was, when I, when I was playing football at Palace and it, I said when I was dating girls and then everything like that was, when I was doing that stuff, I used to say to them, football is first. F football is first for me. It's what I'm doing now. And it, it feeds back into the time, my time issue. You know, getting into, in, getting into the England squad, I think I was 26, just turning 27. You know, so I, I still felt like, yeah, I'm in the England squad at this age, but I, I'm still at Palace. I still haven't won anything because we'd lost the FA Cup and all that sort of stuff. So. I'm still striving at 27, feeling like, geez, this ain't going to happen for me. And then bam, a year later, you go to Arsenal. Um, you, you know, you, then you win a, a first division golden boot. Then, you know, th then you win the FA Cup. Then you win the, the, the Cup Winners Cup. Then you go and you end, it, you end up winning the Premier League. You, you, you're one of the top scorers. Honestly, this, all this happened so kind of quickly for me, Moose, especially my first year at Arsenal. I felt mm. like I literally felt like I could do anything when I went into the, into that that team, I could do anywhere the ball came in that. I think I, in the end I scored thirty odd goals that season, twenty nine for Arsenal. I literally felt like this it can't be this this is can't be this easy. The way it was going because like the, the players and the better players and going there because I wanted the to win quality, things. The pitch quality, the pitch and quality, all of it, everything. The that, fans, everything the, the, the national exposure. All of a sudden. You know what I mean? Things you do is gone national. You're in the in the front of the newspaper, to the back of the newspaper. You have to deal with all that. You have to deal with all the fact that you're getting so much more attention, and you've got to not get carried away with it. And I, in, in my life, honestly, I got carried away with some of the stuff. Of course, the hype and the, and the love that I was getting spilled over into in my personal life. But the fact is, it never affected me going onto the football pitch and doing what I did. You know what I mean? And, and so- Do you know what's funny that this is, I'm jumping in here because it just struck me. You're talking about, you're just talking about time, right? And your whole career is defined by a race against time. But look how early you've entered the Hall of Fame, right? Like that is, you know what I mean? Like that maybe says a lot about, um, about this achievement. It's like, it's not like you're going to be, it's not like you were kind of like, you know, biting your fingernails, like, you know, years from now going, oh, will I get in? Will I get in? It's not actually, it's like you almost that desperation to get somewhere meant that you punched through. Cause look, there's a lot of people not to name names because I respect those players so much. There's some amazing players who aren't in that thing yet. Yeah. There's some amazing, I was looking at it going, hang on a minute. There's players there who've won multiple, obviously Premier League titles, um, several years in that. And I'm like, but you've, you've entered ahead of them. And that's no disrespect to them because they had great careers, but it just shows, shows the achievement, man. It's, okay. it's, I'm, I'm, I honestly, Moose, I, I look at the names and like I say, when I look at the names 
like Rooney and company and Drogba and Schmeichel and Scholes, Aguero, and I'm there as well. And again, you know, I can't, I can't thank the fans enough simply because they're the ones that, remember, everyone's voting here. To get enough mm. votes to be in there, the fans have said, yeah. So, of course, you're going to get people saying, well, where's this one? Where's that one? The fans have put me in there. And it's, glo it's global as well. Unbelievable. It's fans all around the world. It's can't, can't comprehend. Mine's, my mind's blown. <laughs> it really, really is. It's blown. It's blown. This is, this is one of those situations where it's, um, you, you can't believe it. And it's not like people say, well, you can't believe it because maybe you shouldn't be in that with them. But it's, you can't believe it because when you're playing, when you start playing football, like I said, from eight, and I've had the journey that I've had to get into football. Then you have the journey I had while I was in football. All I wanted to do was be good enough to be there. And I always say to people, I don't, I'm, I'm not the greatest striker out there, English striker out there, but I want to be, if my name is not in the conversation, I haven't worked hard enough. So when people say, yeah, but you're not up there with Sheer and Shane, I mean, this one, you was, a, you was a substitute to them guys. I accepted that. I would have accepted that. I accepted yeah. that in 96. Maybe that's my mindset in 96. Maybe why I didn't go is because I did accept that, well, I'm going to go in as a, as a backup striker. I should have maybe had the mindset in 96 to say, I'm going to go in as a starter. But how are you going to go in as a starter when the manager's already said to Alan Shearer, you will be starting. But my mindset should have been, I'm going in as a starter to 96 because in the end, I'm going in as a substitute. I've got, I've got a substitute frame of mind. In the end, I didn't even get to go to Euro 96. So these are the things I think about now. I think to myself, well, did you slack off? So then after 96, I fucking went again. And then I blasted to get into the 98 squad. And then, you know, I've done my hamstring, the, the warm-up game after Glenn Odell told me I'm going. So I, cu I couldn't do any more. I couldn't do any more. But the one thing I think about is my mindset of 96. Did that stop me? Because it's one of the only times in my whole career where I, I accepted something less. Can I say, well, that's, that's, moral of the story has to be whatever you're doing, always enter as a starter. Fucking thank Yes, my friend. Just as you are entering Starter's energy. Starter's as a energy. Starter. Starter's energy. Oh doing? my God. The grind never stops. <laughs> we go again. <laughs> go again. Oh my God. I still can't well, believe Congratulations. It. Thank you, guys. Congratulations, Maestro. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you guys. Got to say bye bye because Ryan's coming by the house. So thank you very much, guys. I love you. Flo. See you, you later. See you soon. See you love soon. You. You're the best. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. 
It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Happy Hall of Fame Day. Bro, it's really weird, man. Sorry for sounding a bit different today. And a couple of tech issues. A couple of tech issues, okay. Where do you want to start? We have to start with Arsenal. I went into the studio yesterday and like one of the, ca- the cameraman, Lizzie, we always talk about what's going to happen. Are we going to do it and this and that? And I was like, I do not feel confident. How are we going to score? Are we going to score? Someone has to step up. We need something to happen. And so when you see, when you see El Nenny come into the team, Xhaka back in the middle, Eddie up front again, and he's stuck with Eddie. After watching Eddie, Roscoe sent me something about Eddie talking on a podcast about, I need games. I need a run of games to get myself going so as I can score goals and really start to build my momentum and score goals. And I'm thinking, I still don't know where we're going to get the goals from, who's going to progress the ball and stuff. Honestly, Ryan, it was brilliant. El Nenny, Xhaka, you know, um, Eddie. I don't think... Lacazette scores that first goal. I don't think he does. Uh, maybe maybe three or four years ago. Yeah, that, that, but, that is why is Eddie needs. Yeah. This is why Eddie needed to come in, Ryan, and start doing that. And even with mm. the second goal, the second goal now, I will play him for the rest of the season because that says to me he's locks in. He's locks in because that's ricocheted three times. Uh, I saw Lewis Ambrose wrote a really good tweet, just saying. Basically, that's what happens when you have a striker who has an actual thirst for goals or like mm. thirst for the goal mouth. And I think that's the thing with Lacazette recently, <clears throat> not wanting to focus on any negatives after quite a positive result, but his game has changed so much to become yeah. like a, an accommodating striker. Yeah. Yeah, but even the second goal, right? Eddie, the way he kind of done the turn on the edge of the box as well. Mm. Oh, it's that some- touch was amazing. Beautiful. But... um. I was I was talking about this to someone afterwards who, well, briefly on Twitter, who kind of said, <laughs> he said, basically, like, I love you guys, but I'm going to absolutely have to swerve Stadio and Wright's house for like the next <laughs> <laughs> however long. Don't right. swerve us, bro. Don't <laughs> swerve just, us. I was just saying that this, this to me was quite, um, you could tell this was a bit of a free hit for Arsenal mm. because it looked like Chelsea... I know Chelsea had quite a lot of rotation, obviously. Christensen came in, Thiago Silva on the bench mm. without Antonio Rudiger. Yeah. Bringing Lukaku in with Werner. Didn't work. Which didn't massively work, which is yeah. weird. Like Lukaku at the moment, I mean, it just doesn't really seem to no. be clicking. I, I actually, we said this on Stadio, he needs a summer. He needs a summer, he needs to Maybe, kind of Maybe, like, right. But something needs to happen rest. though, right? Yeah. Because when you're, when you're starting to be taken off that early in the second half and you're... Remember, he's a striker that we thought was the, the final piece in the jigsaw. When yeah, you're being 100%. taken off to take him off and bring Kai on, that is a sad situation. So whatever happens in the summer with him, whether he can relax, go somewhere, get his mind right, get his head right, do whatever he has to do mm. to get himself right, he, I don't want to see Rom go out like this. I can't no. see him. I, can't, I don't want him to leave again. I don't want him to leave like he left Man United, go there, do that and come back, come to Chelsea. And he's doing the same thing. He has to, he has to find it here. He has mm. to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but please, please God, he can. Going back to this, Arsenal let Chelsea have loads of the ball. Mm. They did have loads of the ball, 68% possession to 32%. But 
but they didn't create a huge amount with it. And I thought Arsenal, apart from that wobble, when was it? Was it after was it after Arsenal went ahead with the third one? And there was that little goal mouth scramble where Gabriel turned yeah. his back and it kind of and then it just hit landed right yeah, on his feet. And that. if it had landed anywhere else, it could have been another equalizer. But apart from that, it didn't really feel like <sighs> Arsenal were mm. like scrambling. Really and, under it, for, yeah. For a team that, like, when you look at Chelsea, what they've done to Southampton, what they've done the first half of Real Madrid, what they've done in the the semi-finals, I said last night, well, you're not beating this kind of Chelsea side, which are you have to say they, they, they had nothing, no reason not to, no reason to go into that game not thinking with Arsenal coming off a three-game losing streak, so, mm. p- p- putting in six goals, Ryan. You, there's no way Chelsea are going into that not thinking, yeah, we're going to eat something tonight. So the only thing that what I loved about last night's game, and even if, and you know, you do think the worst. I don't know if it's just me with Arsenal fans, but when it went to 2-2, I was just thinking, just, just don't lose from here. Mm. Don't lose from it. When it went to 3-2, I was like, oh my God, at least we've got, an-. I was still thinking quite negatively, like at least we've got, a, we've got another one. So even if they score, we might be able to hold it out to 3-3. You know, that was, that's how my mind was thinking for some reason. And I, and I think that came down to the fact that we're not scoring, we weren't creating enough goals, but then, Eddie changed that with the way he took the first goal is not even a half chance. It's a quarter chance because mm-hmm. he's chased down Christensen who had so much time to be able to get that ball back to the goalkeeper. But because of Eddie chasing him like he did, he made that mistake. I remember that happened. I, I, I scored a goal like that against Coventry in, um, in, our, in, our, in our Premier League winning season where, you know, I was just chasing him down, just thinking he may Miss kick it. Eddie done it, chased it down and took a quarter chance, which we've not been doing. And that kind of gives you something in the team. Conceding two goals so early after we scored though, right, is always like, oh, for fuck's sake, we can't keep him off us. Well, That's how I felt. I thought you, it was quite interesting about Eddie's goals were that there are two goals that we haven't really seen from Arsenal for a while. Like we mm. haven't seen, well, I can't remember, there probably are instances this season, but it's quite rare that you see a lone Arsenal forward capitalise on an error. Yeah. And he's basically just bearing get down on goal on his own, on 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 his own. It's usually intricate passing around the yep. box, mm. and when finally that those passing uh, those patterns of play come off, they work. But with yeah. Ed, Eddie's, I thought he he deserves a massive massive shout as well for Absolutely. keeping the coolness to go across Sar. Yes, that run across Sar is yep. such a yeah. The thing is, you say this all the time about how when you're a striker, you you have these kind of instincts, but. Mm. I think in with where Eddie's at, the opportunity he had to start against Chelsea, obviously against his old club, yeah, and then to be bearing down on goal like that, I think it's quite. It would be quite easy for him to just forget what he should be doing and go mm. straight for goal. The, the the touch away in front of Saar, mm. which basically just gives Saar no choice whatsoever. It's like bring him down or mm. let he him go. Have, yeah, it's, it's it's Ryan. I've I've said it. I've said it so many times on podcast or match of the day whatever I'm doing it's when you see the, the touches that, that players have going down and bearing towards goal is what makes you think yeah he's scoring here mm. I remember when I remember when remember when Gabriel Martinelli at Chelsea yeah. funny enough when, the, the when he went through the middle when Kante slipped he had about four touches of the ball that were all perfect Eddie had once he once he once Christensen miskicked that Eddie had three touches which were absolutely perfect Mm. In the in the weight, the fact that it got him in front of Saar and then it, the ball was in a situation and in an area where the goalie 
is in no man's land, Ryan, because like I say so many times, goalkeepers are waiting for a poor touch yeah. or a bad decision for them to come narrow angles, close you down. So as when you look up, the goalkeeper's in your face, they need a bad touch. His touches were so good that in the end, the finish was so easy for him because there's so much goal to hit because the goalie can't do anything because the touches are too good. Mm. And you just finish with a plumb. And that is what he'd done yesterday. And again, it goes back to if we could take half chances, that's what I was, honestly, I, I was made up last night because I didn't think we were going to win. So when you're sitting in the studio and you're going in there, think, and then we go up and then, I think, oh, then they score the two goals. I'm sitting in the studio and the, the, palpita the palpitations I'm having is just, I just wanted us to not lose. Yeah, you know, I mean, not but I think, I think you saw this though with Chelsea compared to Arsenal in the sense that this was a game that Arsenal, in theory, had to win. Mm. I don't think anyone expected Arsenal to win, but they have to win. They have to win every game. That's the reality. If they, if they want to finish in the top four, they have to be looking at winning every single game. Yes. With Chelsea, they lacked a little bit of intensity, I think. And I was saying this to that guy who, who tweeted at me, mm. saying like, you guys didn't have to win that game. Third is kind of... Yeah, it's done. Uh, third is third. Mm. The focus is on the FA Cup final for you guys. So I'm not saying that there was a lack of effort or anything, but it was kind of like there was a lack of... It was almost like, yeah, we kind of know that this doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. You know, the place isn't full. We're under sanction kind yeah. of thing. It was the first yeah. time that the attendance, had, the sanctions had kicked in on the attendance front. Right. So there were loads of empty seats because Chelsea weren't able to sell any more tickets apart from season ticket holders. Mm. And it all just felt a little bit weird. It felt like yeah. a quite... I don't know if you got this watching it, but it felt like quite a weird occasion overall because of Arsenal going ahead, because yeah. of Chelsea getting back into it, because of then Chelsea in moments looking like a little bit lacking intensity. Mm. And you know what? It's always another massive sign, Ryan, when a player is arguing with fans at the end of a game. Never agree. I couldn't never figure agree. this out because I think they dug him. It's a bit of a journey, Aspilicueta. Like, yeah. do you know what? There's part of me that thinks it's good to see such experienced players still going on those journeys. I'm going to bring down Saka <laughs> for a penalty. <laughs> I'm going to score. A, I'm going to score a goal. I'm going to bring. Yeah, I'm going to score a goal. I'm going to. There was one bit as well where he was really like the camera focused on him when he was in the box for a corner, mm. and he was mm. so gnarly. Yeah, yeah, but Ryan, the thing with him is, and, and the thing with that that penalty giveaway. For such an experienced player, mm. right? I, I, you watched it and it, I think Saka was the only Arsenal player going into the box. Aspilicueta was actually on the right side to kind of clear that if they were going to try and put it in the box. Yeah. And he, he chose to not even, he wasn't even looking at the ball. So, you know, when you say like, it just, it was all weird. Arsenal starting like they did and scoring, putting Chelsea on the back foot. And I always say, when you score, when you take chances, it changes games. It changes the, the mentality of the opposition. Because let me tell you something. When you look at Arsenal and the lack of goals, there's no way Chelsea were ex not expecting that. Because who was no. going to do it? You know, that was only Eddie's second start in a year. Right? So when you put them on the back foot, it froze people. Mm. And you could see for some reason, even the way Aspilicueta like celebrated his goal, you could see there's like, yeah, there's some, there's some, in this. yeah, Fucking come, uh, on. come on, you know? And so I, 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 like I say, for an experienced player to give away a goal like that just kind of sums up where Chelsea are at the moment in a headspace. Yeah. I think this is, this is the thing about the penalty because I saw a lot of people 
I didn't want to really put my head above the, mm, the, the metaphorical parap- football yeah. Twitter parapet yesterday yes. <laughs> because it seems like people either thought it was a penalty mm. or people thought it was the biggest crime against football of all time. <laughs> and I was what? a bit like, uh, put it this way, someone, a uh, Chelsea fan tweeted at me saying, can you help me understand this? Because yeah, I'm an angry Chelsea fan and we were shit, but what is that penalty about? And I said... Honestly, soft. Yeah, yeah. But if it had, I always try and do this with penalties. It's like if they'd been given against Arsenal, quite similar to what Andrew does on our blog. I think mm. that's a really good way to do it. I was like, if it had happened up the other end, I would have been like, God, that's soft, soft, and yeah. God, that's annoying. Yes, that's probably a penalty. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. Saka's also got hold of him, but Aspilicueta is lent in first, and actually doesn't really need to do that at all because the yeah, ball but is you so see, far behind him. Ex- exactly. Aspilicueta exactly. getting sucked into games Saka's- that he game, games that he likes to play <laughs> with people. Yeah, but what was really good about that is that again, it's it's the dark arts what Saka done on him. Like people can talk about what was that penalty about, and of course, if that happened against us. And uh, we, there, there was a forward that was clever enough to have hold of a defender's arm. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I have hold of a defender's arm where it's only in sight of him. Only he could see it, where you could see Aspilicueta completely going to the referee and saying, he had my arm, he had my arm. I'm like, can't you see? No, we didn't see because it was a clever, dark hearts move. Yeah. But at the same time, Aspilicueta's got to be looking to, to try and clear that ball. Don't worry mm-hmm. about Saka. You know what I mean? You're on the right side. And so he put himself in a position where he allowed that situation to develop. Mm. And that's, that's just experience from Saka using his, his kind of experience in that, in that particular moment. And Aspilicueta getting sucked into it. Of course, it's a soft penalty, but what are we going to do? We're going to say, oh, don't, what's Saka going to jump up and do a Robbie Fowler? No, don't give it. Don't give it. No. (laughs) Not in this, not, well, this not now. Thing, Arsenal have been accused of not being savvy enough. And then when they are savvy, they're just like, it's not a penalty. It's like yeah. the outrage. It's just like, come on, man. Can we talk about Granit Xhaka nutmegging Alonso on the edge of the box to set up our set? Come on. After just dinking it past oh, Lukaku as well. Come, come on. Granit Xhaka, that was Euros Granit Xhaka we saw there. Man was energised. He was very, very, very good yesterday. Yeah. He's a real good player. He's, like, he's, honestly, he's a good player. if Xhaka is putting those performances in on a regular basis, we are doing a lot better than we're doing because that was that was inspirational captain leading from the front kind of mm. stuff. That was what Xhaka was doing. El Nenny as a foil as well. And then Erdogan. You know what was so beautiful is that sometimes when you're doing punditry, um, things, you know, you say things and it doesn't transpire and you think, mm, mate, okay. When you say things like, listen, we need to make sure that we can get the ball from Xhaka and El Neni into Erdogan, who can then get Saka going. And it's like, it just kept happening last night where Erdogan would just get in a position where he's found, pops it off once. But, and even with that goal, Ryan, Xhaka done all his stuff. The ball comes out, Erdogan gets it, links it off, goes back in, gives it out to Saka. Then it goes back inside. Erdogan gets the touch off to lay it down to, um, to Emil Smith-Rowe, who just rolls it in beautifully. You know Another, that was my favourite goal of the game, actually. Oh, it was... Uh, un- yeah. Because goals like that, right, where we're talking about Mendy, who is arguably one of the best goalkeeper yeah. in the world, for the ball to be rolled in from the edge of the box at that pace shows the quality and the timing of everything. Watching... Emma Smith-Rowe scored that goal against Chelsea 
and then watching Emma Smith Rowe slashing wildly at, at Southampton, where you think to yourself, <laughs> why, why does that happen there and that happens there? It's in you to be composed. It's in you to be composed. And now, seeing what we can do, seeing us going away and doing stuff like that, those are the things that you look at when you're a player and say, I've done that, so why did I do that? Why am I mm. rushing? Why am I rushing my shot in the box? Let me just take my time and get a clean strike on it. Composure. That's what that was yesterday. And we showed that. And what I saw yesterday with our team is, again, our team, we've got something. He's got something. Yeah. Yeah, Strengthening I mean, in the summer is of paramount. Yeah. I mean, if you think, like we've said this all along, it's part of the process and you're going to get with a young team, you're going to get inconsistencies. I think I said it at the very beginning of the season, uh, or at least a few games in when Arsenal were on that awful run. Arsenal are going to have to stick. Like fans are going to have to get on side and stick with them because they will, they will fuck up yeah, until they're, yeah. while, they're, while they're progressing. And developing. I mean, if anyone would say you're going into the back end of April, level on points with the side in fourth, mm. I don't think anyone. I no. still don't think anyone would have believed you after that Brentford game. No, no way. So, and especially because Arsenal were bottom of the league. Arsenal have been bottom of the league this season. Yes, bro. So that, that was really weird for a while, wasn't it? Even though it was so early, it was just like can so I, can scary I, can I, and really weird. I kind of loved it. No, no, I didn't. Not at I all. Did. I did. Not at all. I the did. amount of pictures I got sent with Arsenal. Like, it's like really. having a tattoo because you knew it wasn't going to last forever, that pain. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing Arsenal put on a performance like that was, was just, again, the anxiousness that I have in my stomach in a game like that because for, I didn't want us to lose four on a spin. Um, you know what I mean? I don't know where those three performances came from. Palace, I was baffled. Palace made me realise, no, 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 we're not going to finish in fourth. Last night made me realise, yes, we can finish in fourth. And, you know, and then you play against Brighton and you say, no, you can't finish in fourth. You play against Southampton and you think to yourself, we can't miss that many chances. You think, if we took those chances, we'd have played badly, but we, we would have won and we, maybe we could scrape fourth. Last night made me think, yes, we can, but we're going to have to do stuff. Players are going to have to put in those kind of performances. You have to play well. I was on the Askcast and I said this to, in, in the, in the Askcast podcast. You, People know how we're going to play. Is this, know, you, is this the one that you... The, the, F, the, F, the, the F episode. The, the yeah. F episode. Thanks, so, fuckers. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying, people have worked out how we want to play through our team. Stop yeah. Party, stop Xhaka, stop Erdogan, stop Saka, stop Emma Smith-Rowe. But you as a player, that's how the manager wants to play. So you have to do better in the position to get the ball, make the space and make it happen. Yeah, and that also some of these players, enough. some yeah. of these players, yeah, aren't at the level, what's the yeah. word, haven't reached their full, the final form. Yes. So therefore, they're still developing, which means yeah. like, you know, when they are absolute peak, it's going to be a hell of a lot it's harder It's going to be unbelievable. Them. Yes, because but, in those, in those situations, yeah. It can be easy because it, they're lacking experience still. They're still very young, some of those mm, players. Like, should we talk yeah. about Man City? We do need to because, um, again... Massive pressure on them. It's for this. so much pressure. I was doing it last night with um, Shay Given. It's brilliant. Brilliant. I love Shay and Steve Bauer. And um, what we were saying at the start of the game is watching Liverpool like really pulverise a, a poor Man United. Roy Keane's not even angry anymore. He's just very sad. He's, he's, he's sad and disappointed. And that is not a good thing when you're a team of that stature and that's how you feel. But watching our Liverpool 
destroyed them. City would have watched that the night before and, and they've got the game coming up against Brighton. Brighton who just finished beating um, Arsenal and Tottenham and played mm. very well doing it. You know, they know it's going to be difficult. So when you're going into that kind of game, Ryan, I remember we had to win in 98, 12 games. We didn't realise we was going to win 12, but we knew we had to win all of our games. And going into it, the week leading into it, Ryan, you're so nervous. Mm. When you watch that game, you're hoping that Brighton can make them trip up because or you're hoping that Man United might turn up and cause Liverpool a problem. You're hoping that Brighton slip up, Liverpool will be watching them, hoping that Brighton can do it. So the City players' mentality, and this is why Pep said it afterwards, says magnificent, mm. brilliant, fantastic, my team, what they've been doing for the last like five, six years now. Because going into that with no recognised striker, because sometimes, I watched it again last night, Ryan, and there's times where they get the ball in and around the edge of the box and you're thinking, just turn that in the box. But they mm. don't do it because they haven't got a natural person to go in and attack it. So they have to come out, regurgitate and go back out the other side and try to play through teams. And they continually, they do not change what they do. And they continually press and go and go and go. And then you add Kevin De Bruyne into the mix. And that is how it, and they got their luck yesterday as well. They yeah, got their deflected luck. goals yeah. for the first two. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, you're gonna, everyone needs that through the season yeah. at some point. We saw it. Brighton defended super, super well. They got numbers yeah. back on mass, especially in the first half. But I actually think this was, this was a really impressive result from Man City. Maybe not their most unbelievably fluid performance, but it doesn't really matter at this stage of the season, I think. Yeah. Aside like Brighton, who are always, you know, like tactically, for example, they would have posed Manchester City more problems than Manchester United did against Liverpool yes. the night oh, before. Gosh, but yes. just, but also, could sense in the crowd, it felt a little bit like that game. Do you remember when company, your fellow Hall of Famer, <laughs> oh, God. pinged that one in the top corner? Yes, It Leicester. kind of felt like this game had a similar atmosphere to that in a way in the first half because every yeah. City attack was just like, <gasps> we have to score, we have to score, we have to score. Yeah, with, with City in that first half, and I remember saying at the start of that, um, I said, it's, it's, City are going to do what they do. They know how to navigate this, this stage of the season. They know that you have to be patient um, because what City will do is they'll probe and they'll, they'll go at you and go at you and continue to attack you to find that person who doesn't quite go that extra half a yard and they'll exploit that. And so when you, when you watch the way City play and it's very frustrating because mm. everybody, nearly everybody, drops in and tries to beat City on the counter-attack. Nearly everybody, especially in this league, nearly everybody does that. So you know you're going into a game as Manchester City in this stage of the season without a recognised striker, knowing that teams are going to have a deep block on you and you're still going to play and you, you're not going to change the way you play. Mm. They're going into that game under a lot of pressure and they've done it again. You know, they've mm. done it and like you say, it, it's, in the end, 3-0, it, it, it did, it did seem routine, but for a while, you can feel the anxiety and you feel it. You know what I mean? Because some of that, like in, in 98, when I was on the bench as well for some, a, lot of that, a lot of that season, the fact with it is, right, is that you are fucking petrified of not, of not getting the result because you know if you do not win, they're going to, they're, gonna, they're probably going to, you have to say Liverpool will probably beat Everton. You know what I mean? Especially with the way that, the way the Premier League is, that's you a, can't say probably. You can say there's a I good. I don't know nothing. Listen, you know what I mean? If, if two, if nearly three years of doing a football podcast has taught me anything, it's just that like I don't know anything. Don't predict. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, one thing I will predict is that Man City will beat Watford. <gasps> I'd predict that. 
And I think that, you know, Liverpool have to beat Everton, which is a, it's a derby. And, you and know, what I saw from Everton, goal. yeah, what I saw from Everton yesterday was a team that didn't give up. They refused to give up. That point for them. is, is fucking massive, Oh Ryan. my God. That could be it. That could be it. Also, the thing is, the goal difference levelled up. Yes. Which on the is, same which as Burnley Which is so now. important. Like, Charleston missed some chances yesterday, right? But that goal at the end, I mean, that is a... That, oh, that it's is massive. A, such a big result for Everton. That's such the kind a big of, result. That's the kind of point, like, when you see it, like, now, if... Like, let's say that Burnley beats Southampton and then it gets to one point or, or whatever it is. You, I feel that it could go down to maybe one point. You don't know what's going to happen with Bernie, no manager. Are they going to have any kind of bounce? Are they going to be able to beat Southampton? We don't know what Southampton's going to turn up. But I feel that Burnley have to beat Southampton. There's nothing else will, will be good enough because they have to believe that Liverpool will beat Everton. They have to believe that that's going to happen. Liverpool mm. have to, to carry on trying to, to, try to, to, to march towards the Premier League title. Because City are now in, in the pole position. If City win all their games, they've won the league. Mm. I think that um, Liverpool are, you know, uh, the quadruple is tough, Ryan. And what yeah, I saw in right. all of the, like, what I saw with the games yesterday, did you see um, Miguel Almiron's goal for, for Oh my Newcastle? God, I wanted to talk what to you about a this. Fucking Do you know goal. what it reminded me of? Go on. It, it was a goal off FIFA. It was such a goal off of FIFA. Wasn't it? It was so a goal off of FIFA. I, I can't remember. I, I don't want to over a magnificent... goal here. It was an amazing goal, but... I genuinely can't remember seeing that many goals that are actually like that, like that trajectory, that angle. Yes, from that into position, the top corner like the bar, that, like kind of hit the and bar post. And, yeah, kind of hit the bar and post. But you know what was really, um, what was really good about it from Newcastle point of view and Miggy Amaron's point of view is that that was Tyrick Mitchell he blasted past there, speed and strength cutting, and then the, the, to see it from the, the, the angle, they show it from the angle from the right hand side. And he opened his body up and watching the goalies dive, Sabutio goalkeeper dive it was, and watch the ball just go. It was just like, it was fitting. And then, you know, what was amazing, Ryan. We, cause we could see the goal. We could see the goal in real time, the whole stadium. Oh my God. Newcastle is right. I mean, I'm going up there. I was meant to go to Ireland to play golf, but I've said, cheer up, come to Newcastle. Newcastle's a place to be, bro. Alan sorted it out for me. I'm going to Newcastle to play golf and that because like at the moment, nice. what's that, seven games on the spin they've won now? Or is it six? Six or seven on the spin. First time since Bobby Robson. Coming in with the pressure that he was under, he has to get some flowers. I'm giving Eddie flowers. I mean, actually, do you know what? That's fair because I think that obviously they've had money. Obviously, they're going to have a lot more money to spend. They spent a lot in January compared to uh, uh, the Premier League. You know, play, signing people like Bruno Guimaraes, Mm. who was on a lot of massive, like not, Newcastle's a huge club. Let's say mm. clubs who would have been pushing for honours mm. immediately. Um, and actually, I know a lot of people will say, well, yeah, the money, the takeover, of course you're going to do well. But that brings it in itself a different kind of pressure. Yes. And I actually think Eddie Howe has handled that fairly well. I'd like him to, I would like him to be a little bit better on the other stuff when he gets asked it. Well, personally. he's got, yeah, he can't duck that. He can't, but he's, he's got yeah, he can't duck that. But purely from the football side of it, good yeah, luck. Fair to enough, him. I think. I'm gonna yeah. give him some. Um, can I give a, a couple of shout outs quickly? Absolutely. Uh, Juve got through to the Coppa Italia final. They're gonna play Inter, so we're gonna have a okay. Derby d'Italia final. It was RB Leipzig Union in the se other semi final of the German mm. Cup. RB Leipzig went through to the final to play. Oh no! To play Freiburg. Um, Freiburg made it. Like we said on Stadio, they made it through to the first ever 
German Cup final in their history. And they're mm. a point off and they're a point off champ the Champions League spots as well, Freiburg. So Everything I hear about Union, uh, when, when I hear from you and Moose, I, I quite like them. There's a vibe. I like the Union. Freiburg are the one. Freiburg, yeah. I know we've, we've, we've done a bit on Arsenal, but I've just got to say to those guys and that young team, Mikel and everything, I, I, well done, man. Well done. No. I, just, I have to say that. Well done, guys. That's, it's very tough sometimes to support Arsenal because you don't know what you're kind of going to get, but we have to expect that with a young team. But like, the fucking future looks bright, man, if that's what we're capable of doing. Future looks bright. Yeah, man, we've just got to be patient. Good things yep. come to those who wait. Absolutely. And like Forrest Gump said, life is like supporting Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks nice for having me. I'll man. see you soon. Right, i speak to you soon, baby. See you soon, man. Much love. My, listen, thanks very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Conga. Thank you very much, Flo Lloyd Hughes. Thank you, my dear friend, Ryan Hahn, thank you very much for listening. Um, very humbling day for me today. It's going to be very emotional because what's happening to me is beyond my wildest dreams. I'm saying this on the, on the fly, so you have to excuse me. And I feel like I'm welling up. So I'm going to leave before I do cry on my podcast. But um, all I know is um, hard work pays off, man. God bless. See you, everybody, next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.